Counter the latest internet sensation. This is going to be a game changer. People are banging on the door. It's incredible. The words I want to say I can't even get out of my mouth. They're having to be blamed for everything. There's no one who's shown more genius. He's a magnificent specimen of mankind. Good morning, Seb, and good morning to all your issues. Weekend Breakfast with Seb Costello on Triple M. We're here this morning for the Bridge Trader app. And as we put the weekend breakfast together today, I make this pledge to you. Mark my words, we will make breakfast. It's going to be terrific. Thanks to Andrew Davies from the Tory party over there in the UK. As you may have heard of the news, big footy story overnight with Boomer Harvey announcing that he will not be playing on at AFL level. That's the end of a career that has stretched over 21 years. And he did it at the North Melbourne Best and Fairest, talking to the faithful. And he even managed to put the whole thing in perspective while weaving in a few gags. 21 years ago, my life changed. Neville Stibbard read out my name with pick 47 in the 1995 National Draft. Speaking of 1995, the number one song back then was Gangster's Paradise by Coolio. <laughs> the number one movie was Ace Ventura. Drew Petrie was 13 years old. Jack Zebel was four. Luke McDonald was eight months old. And Sammy Durden, I know you're here somewhere. I'm just wondering if your parents were North Melbourne supporters and were and was celebrating my selection because nine months later you were born. <laughs> Boomer Harvey there announcing he won't be playing on. He will be a one-club player. And we'll tell you more about why he came to that decision a bit later in the program. Campbell Brown is currently over in India playing a sport you will have never heard of until this morning. We've got details on that. Danny Green's here, of course, and he is going to smash world boxing wide open, particularly at the amateur level. Brian Taylor as well. Plenty happening on the weekend breakfast with Seb Costello. Bathurst this weekend too. Chris Stubbs is all over that for Fog Sports, and we'll be crossing out to him a bit later. What are Campbell Brown and Stephen Milne doing in India? Campbell Brown is on the front page of the Times, the biggest newspaper in India overnight, and I can tell you it's all because they're taking part in a really, really unique sport. It's called Kabaddi, and to hear more about it, to figure out what the heck it is actually all about, well, we've got the man who's organised the whole thing, and it comes to us as part of this. In the 20th century, the sporting landscape was indeed a wide world. But with the advent of the interweb communication and global overpopulation, the sporting universe is bigger than ever. And champions beyond the traditional games deserve their recognition. Presenting the weekend breakfast's glittering galaxy of sport. And don't the kids love it? Our sport this week is really one to watch. It's already massive in India. We're talking hundreds and hundreds of millions of people are watching it on the subcontinent. And the Aussies are now getting involved with the first ever Australian Kabaddi team taking part in the World Cup. The business genius behind bringing it to Australia is Bruce Cater. He's on the phone from India now. Bruce, how are those balmy Indian conditions? Seb, how are you, mate? You look, uh, definitely taking us a couple of days to get used to, <laughs> uh, given given what we've come from in Australia. But uh, no, it's great to be over here and be a part of uh, the, the very first World Cup in, in the sport of Kabaddi. So there's 12 teams taking part. We're talking the US, Canada, the UK, Iran, Poland and Australia. And there's some names we might recognise in the Australian team, isn't there? Mate, there is. So we've got uh, three uh, retired AFL players in uh, Stephen Milne, uh, Adam Schneider and our captain, uh, Campbell Brown. Absolutely. 
Look out. I reckon uh, once the tournament wraps up, we've got a pretty good touring team there too with Brownie and Milne. Mate, they've been fantastic. The boys are, you know, they've brought a level of professionalism to the team. Uh, leadership, I think, that uh, has been really, really helpful uh, for everybody else. Um, and they're just great guys to be around uh, from a team perspective. Okay, so I've already said this thing is big in India. It's the second most viewed sport behind the IPL, of course, around 435 million viewers, if you don't mind. What the heck is Kabaddi? I like to describe it as a combination between tag, uh, wrestling, uh, rugby. It's probably got all facets of those sports um, in it. Uh, you really have to watch it. It's probably like how you know we describe Australian rules football when we travel abroad as well. It's something that you try to describe, but you really have to watch it to truly understand it. But I think the simplistic way is how I've described it. Um, but you've got to watch it. It's uh, it's a great sport. Uh, it's fantastic on TV. It's short, sharp. There's always things happening. Um, and yeah, it's it's huge over here. It's uh, it's the indigenous sport to India. Um, it's it's very very well followed across the country um you know we're expecting in our first game tomorrow night against india that uh we'll have an audience somewhere around the 200 million uh people mark fantastic mate well we're going to put some youtube links up on my twitter so check that out at seb costello nine if you want to see how kabaddi is played mate let me know if i'm off the mark here but roughly you divide a playing field into two halves and when one side is on strike, to borrow a cricketing term, it means one of their players runs across into the other half and has to touch an opponent and get back without being tackled and stuck in his defensive half. Spot on. So you, uh, that, that player is known as a raider. Um, so, yeah, the, the way you've described it is absolutely perfect. That's and exactly what it is. It's not a very difficult sport to pick up, um, but there's definitely some nuances that we've learnt over here watching some of the other teams, in particular India. Um, there's definitely some nuances and strategy to the sport that we obviously have been learning that these guys have been doing for a long time. I know you've been training down at the Essendon Football Club, which must be a terrific partnership. Now, the team itself, you know, this is the first time Australia's uh, been in the World Cup, so we're still very much getting our heads around it. Would we be expecting too much to think that we might win a game? Not at all. Uh, we've had, uh, through the IKF, the International Federation, two of India's best credentialed coaches and players uh, in Australia coaching the team over the last month um, and talking to the coaches even after training this morning. They they are genuine, they genuinely believe we could win up to three games and if we do, we could get, see ourselves into the semi-finals. Well, mate, good luck with it and uh, give our best to Campbell Brown. He's actually going to come on with Howie and Fev on the Dead Set Legends a bit later on this morning on Triple M. But Bruce Cater, always great to catch up. Seb, thanks for your support, mate, and uh, you can follow us on social media as well. Danny Green there. and fitness with Danny Green. He's a beloved member of the Triple M family and the weekend breakfast family. Good morning, Danny Green. Good morning, Seb. How are you, buddy? Mate, I want to take you back to the Rio Games and the Irish boxer, Mickey Conlon. He was the reigning world champion at Bantamweight and he got knocked out in the quarterfinals by a Russian opponent. The judges decided against him unanimously and he had a pretty infamous post-fight interview where he made some pretty serious allegations of corruption. Have a listen to this. Cheats. Uh, someone's asked me, I've never boxed for a again. They're cheating 
Bastards are paying everybody. And you know, I don't go, I don't go cursing on TV and retaining this year. This year to win big gold. My dream's been shattered now. But you know what? I have a big career ahead of me. And these ones are known for being cheats. And I'll always be cheats. That much of boxing stinks from the core right there at the top. That's Mickey Conlon, the band and weight boxer. Well, since that, the AIBA, which looks after amateur boxing, have since banned 36 officials, judges and referees from being part of competition until further notice. Does that sport need some cleaning up at amateur level? Uh, unfortunately, mate, it does. Uh, you couldn't get a better name for an Irish boxer, Mickey Conlon, could you? <laughs> and um, his interview was outstanding, and I, I thought he, can, he controlled himself. He completely dominated that fight. And to lose was, it was astounding. I, astounding doesn't even do it justice, Seb. It was disgraceful. The AIBA, the International Amateur Boxing Association, um, they're the most crooked bunch of, of, of just cretins. And um, they've been robbing people blind um, for so long, it's not funny. And amateur boxing, we do it for love, you know. The guy that refereed my fight, uh, his last name was Martinez from Puerto Rico, when I fought and lost in my second fight in the Olympics against the Russian who went on to win the gold medal, Alexander Lebziak. Um, he got banned for four years because his, his refereeing was so dodgy. Um, and he was, it was clear he was, um, he was getting paid off. So it was just great. And, and with all respect, Lebziak didn't need anyone helping him. You know, so um, he, uh, he went on to win the gold medal. And it's been happening for a long time. Well said, mate. TeamDannyGreen.com.au is the fitness program for people who want to get in shape for the summer. All going well? Yeah, mate. It works. It's a no-brainer. And um, we're looking at going, hopefully, within the next X amount of months, we'll be releasing a product to go um, supplement the program. Very nicely done, mate. Now, one of the uh, the grand final on the weekend was one of the all-time great stories. Everyone in the country was watching it. But I seem to remember that you had a wedding appointment up there in Brisbane. Did you get to watch the game? <laughs> Mate, I, well, they don't really, you know, the, the, the AFL is is not, um, you know, a dominating sport in Brisbane. It's 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 rugby league. So I have my phone. My buddy's wedding, a good mate of mine's buddy, um, uh, wedding was at four p.m. Mark Lewis marrying the beautiful Megan, and, and I was like, oh man, four o'clock, it's cranking on the cab on the way to the game from the airport. Um, you know, going to the Gold Coast, and I've got the phone on in my pocket when they when they when they ceremonies going on unbeknown to him but now he knows and I'm kind of clicking down checking the scores going, <laughs> oh, this game's a killer I can't even see it by all accounts I'm going to watch the game because um, it, it was meant to be an incredible game but yeah it was a huge day and, and to see the doggies get up you know I've met a few of the boys um, actually earlier this year uh, it was fantastic and um, yeah it was was a phenomenal game and phenomenal atmosphere so it's you and Rob McCarthy, who was the bloke who sat up in level two. He was a Doggies fan and had a heart attack 10 minutes before the end of the game. You and Rob are the only two who didn't see the end of the 2016 grand final. Oh, the poor boat. Is he okay? He's okay. Yeah, spoke to his daughter, Beck, this week, and fortunately he's making a recovery. It was a bit touch and go for a while, but uh, you know what they actually did? They did CPR in the grandstand as the Bulldogs theme song was playing because the dogs had just won and they were doing the heart pumps to the beat of Sons of the West <laughs> and so he came back to revived and gave them the thumbs up and they reckon the roar was bigger than when the dogs actually won that's unbelievable <laughs> that should be giving him a life membership mate that's crazy <laughs> oh, fantastic well teamdannygreen.com.au check that out online mate we love having you on the show and uh, we look forward to speaking to you again Danny Green thanks legend Steve have a great weekend buddy as I arrived at the building this morning, there wasn't too much parking to be had out on the street. 
But there was one space that was so tight, it looked as if Boomer Harvey stretched from one car to the other. He uh, would only just fill the gap. That's how short it was. But I backed myself in. I decided to pop the car into park, slid back, did the right steering, and made the perfect parallel park. I believe the expression is nailed it. And that just has to be one of life's simple joys when you nail a parallel park. On my Twitter, at SebCostello9, we've been building a list of life's simple joys. And feel free to contribute. Katie has said, life's simple joys is not having to set an alarm for the weekend. Couldn't agree with that more. That is a beautiful feeling come Sunday. We've got uh, Naja, who has said, doing an online chat to a business instead of a phone call or an email. And I can speak to that one. When you can get your issue settled and you don't have to wait on hold for close to half an hour while you work your way through a maze that is any call centre, be it based in Australia or overseas, that is one of life's simple joys. One triple three five three. If you've got a simple joy to add to our list, give us a ring. One triple three five three. Paul has said one of life's simple joys is finding you don't have to put money in the parking meter on Twitter. And I agree with that one too. When, you, when you're just a bit nervous and you're picking your pockets and you can't find the right coin and then you get there and either somebody's vandalised the parking meter, which some would say is a public service, or the hours of the area are actually expired and you just don't have to. It is just an overwhelming feeling of relief. So keep your suggestions coming up. We've also got Brian Taylor soon. Actually, I want to speak to him about his extraordinary weekend last weekend. We're live on Triple M footy as Tom Boyd kicked that amazing goal out of the centre square in the final quarter of the grand final. Brian lost his head and used language you wouldn't typically use on air. Buddy tackled by Morris. Dropping the ball. Boyd took the advantage and played on from inside the centre square. Boyd's kicked the goal. Boyd's kicked the goal from inside the centre Brian, he'll be coming up in his regular spot in about half an hour's time. Boomer Harvey last night announced that he will not be playing on. His AFL career is over. Doing so in front of the North Melbourne faithful at the best and fairest last night. And if you haven't heard the full speech, it's worth a look because Boomer puts the whole thing in perspective with a great sense of humour. 21 years ago, my life changed. Neville Stibbard read out my name with pick 47 in the 1995 National Draft. Speaking of 1995, the number one song back then was Gangster's Paradise by Coolio. <laughs> the number one movie was Ace Ventura. Drew Petrie was 13 years old. Jack Zebel was four. Luke McDonald was eight months old. And Sammy Durden, I know you're here somewhere. I'm just wondering if your parents were North Melbourne supporters and were, and were celebrating my selection because nine months later you were born. <laughs> so there you go. After 432 matches for the North Melbourne Football Club, that's the end of Boomer Harvey's AFL career. He did explain his thoughts and why he came to this decision in the speech. I also know there has been a lot of speculation about my future. I've wrestled with this decision since the day we were beaten by the Crows. I think my footy is good enough to go on. And the fact that I love my footy so much is why this has been such a tough decision. But I'd like to tell everyone in this room tonight that my decision not to pull on another team's jumper is the reason why I'd like to announce my retirement from AFL football. It's been an amazing journey and I'm extremely privileged to have played one game for the North Melbourne Football Club, let alone play here for 21 years. 
Well done, Brent Harvey. He wants to be a one-club player, and he's given that gift to the North Melbourne Footy Club. In what was a big night for the Roos, also uh, Robbie Tarrant won the best and fairest, and Andrew Swallow stepped down as captain, so probably opening the door, you would think, to Jack Siebel in season 2017. Some new leadership down there at Arden Street. All right, coming up next, Dan Henderson, the UFC legend. And as I said before the news, this is a fight tomorrow that has a lot of bad blood between him and his opponent, the middleweight champ, Michael Bisping. The last time they fought, Henderson knocked him out pretty badly and then delivered a blow to an unconscious Bisping that is one of the most brutal acts you will ever see in combat sports. And to just throw a bit of salt in the wound, after that fight in the post-fight interview, here's what Henderson had to say. Here is the knockout. You see, as he circles, you catch him on the button. Did you know he was out before you landed this one? Normally, I'm not that way in fights. I know if the guy's out, I tend to stop. I knew I hit him out, and I think that one was just to shut him up a little bit. Yeah, okay. That's not exactly uh, the way you would go about it. Typically, if you had any concern for the man's well-being, we'll drill into that with Dan Henderson himself next. Huge UFC event tomorrow, our time. You're going to see Michael Bisping in the rematch we've all been waiting for with Dan Henderson Dan joins us on the line now. Thank you for your time. No, no problem. Uh, it's my pleasure. Now, this one goes back to UFC 100, and there is a bit of bad blood here. You won the last fight between yourself and Michael Bisping with a brutal knockout, and it's the moments after that everybody's been talking about for years after. As I say, there's no love lost between the two of you, and after you knocked him out, there was a second strike to his head as he lay on the canvas. If you had your time again, if you knock him out again this weekend... Would you do the same thing? Uh, well, it's something I've done before I fought him a number of times. And in my last, you know, when you knock somebody down, you don't know how quickly they'll recover if the ref doesn't stop it yet. And the fight could go, go on. And, you know, that's exactly what I did that night, like I've done in numerous other fights, uh, just to make sure it's, it's over. And so, I, yeah, absolutely, I will, I will make sure that if I knock him down, I'll make sure the ref stops it. You know, I think that night that I had knocked him out the first time, I had I had stopped, uh, was getting up before the ref did stop it when I knew for sure that it was over. Mm. Now, I saw your press conference a few days ago. It was incredibly calm. You looked really, really calm. And this all came from a backdrop of Bisping throwing some pretty scandalous things your way. I mean, you know, we we know that uh, as, a, as a fighter earlier in your career, you used the testosterone replacement therapy that you know, was a completely legal form of therapy at the time you were taking it. Bisping declared that you were on steroids and that, you know, he, to him, you broke the rules. How do you react to that? It didn't really bother me too much. It just shows, you know, that he's, he's kind of ignorant about the, the situation and, and, you know, he likes to run his mouth. So... I know in my heart what I've done and what kind of person I am. And, and, you know, I don't, I don't cheat like that and made sure that I wasn't doing anything illegal before I even started that. I got approval from the athletic commission to do it. Does it tick you off though? I mean, it goes against your background as a two time Olympic athlete to have somebody accusing you of doping. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess it bothered me a little bit, but not too much. I don't pay attention too much of what Michael Bisming says, and most of it's just crap coming out of his mouth anyway, just to hear himself talk. You know, but I, I have had people tell me that, you know, 
if anybody's been doing anything, if you look at both of our bodies, he, he's he's definitely changed more than I have as far as his size and everything. So it could be it could have been accused uh, the other way around. <laughs> The man Bisping beat for the title, Luke Rockhold, is fighting in Melbourne in a few weeks, so we're pretty excited for that. And when he was here, I was talking to him. It's clear that he regrets the night he lost in a massive way. And he feels that Bisping isn't really worthy of being a world title holder. Would you agree with that? Well, I, I think uh, Bisping surprised everybody, you know, especially Luke. But Bisping did beat him that night, and you can't take that away from him. And I don't plan on having him stay there so you know either way i'm going to make sure that uh, i come home with that belt mate we're looking forward to it just quickly you're 46 at the moment you'll be you know a very um i guess a champion who's very much got less of his career ahead of him than he has behind him ronda rousey is a name that's always going to mean a lot to melburnians because she came to our town and had that famous loss against holly home and we haven't seen her since do you, do you ever see her getting back to where she was, or do you reckon that loss has just taken too much out of her? You know, from what I've heard, you know, she wants to come back, and, and uh, I don't know if it's for avenging that loss, but just come back and come back strong, but she needs to have her head in the right place to do that. Dan Anderson, big fight this weekend against Michael Bisping. Title is on the line. We really appreciate your time, and good luck, sir. My pleasure. Thank you, guys. It's one of the great Sundays of a calendar year. The Bathurst 1000, where you can just put yourself squarely in front of the television, sit on the couch, maybe even take a little refreshment and watch the boys do their thing on Mount Panorama. A man who is up there as we speak is Chris Stubbs from Fox Sports. Morning, Subsy. Morning, Seb. How are you? Mate, they say it's a cool track up there and that we might see some racing that is quicker than ever. Is it still that way? Yeah, it is. Look, the sun is out and it's a little warm this morning, but we are expecting some cloud cover to come across. So if we get those conditions, then we'll have plenty of grip and the boys will let it rip and we could see a record around here. The man most likely to do that, of course, Jamie Winkup at the moment. What a superstar he is. So top 10 shootout today to decide who will drive pole in the Bathurst 1000. One of the stories is that the greats of the sport, Craig Lowndes, won't actually be a part of the shootout. What happened to Lowndesy? Yeah, wow, 21st, uh, way down the list. So, look, let's not worry too much about it at the moment in that uh, last year he won from 15th. So it is possible, and he is one of the all-time greats, as you said, but they've been chasing this car since the moment it rolled out of the track here for the first practice session on Thursday morning. Lounsey hasn't been inside the top 10 all weekend in all of those practice sessions that they've had. So there's real concerns. They just can't get the setup right. And what's probably more alarming is his triple eight teammates, so the man with the same uh, equipment as him, Jamie Winkup, is their fastest in every session so far. So, lounge with a bit of head scratching. There is a practice session this morning, though, Seb, so they'll be looking to make sure they've got their setup uh, as close to perfect as possible before tomorrow's race. As you say, Jamie Winkup, the clear favourite to take pole in that shootout, but who's going to be his main rivals? Scotty McLaughlin would be the obvious one. He was second fastest in qualifying yesterday and he put it on the front row last year. It was uh, David Reynolds when he was at Pro Drive Racing Australia who had pole last year, uh, which again, it, look, it's more bragging rights than anything. Mm. They love the top 10 shootout, shootouts. It is ripping TV. You've got the whole track to yourself for two minutes, all eyes, not just here at the mountain, but across Australia uh, on you and you get all the access you could want as a driver. You can go anywhere you want, all over the track. It's all yours. There's no worries about any other traffic, and you go as hard as you possibly can, and they love it, I tell you what. So 
watch out for them. Scotty McLaughlin, as I said, would be a great story because they've been such a such a long and experienced team here, Gary Rogers Motorsport, with so much success at the mountain. But we know that uh, Scott McLaughlin is leading that team next year. So we're hoping that uh, Scotty can do well. Tim Slade as well, which would be a great result uh, for the smaller Brad Jones racing team based out of Albury. They don't have the budgets that Red, uh, Red Bull Racing Australia have or Pro Drive. So that's one for the uh, underdogs we'd like to see Slady go well. Mate, you painted a beautiful picture there, and it is pumping me up for this shootout come a bit later this afternoon. <laughs> Mate, so just on a more serious note, it will mark the 10th anniversary of the passing of Peter Brock with this year's Mount Panorama, yep. Bathurst 1000. Do you think anything will be made of that? Is there plans for some sort of uh, commemoration of that? Yes, yeah, there is. Look, Lowndes himself will be driving one of Brocky's old cars around, and Bev is here. We've uh, chatted to her earlier on in the weekend. His brother, Phil, is here as well. Now, Phil will present the Peter Brock Trophy on Sunday to the winner. He actually made some comments about Jamie Wincup a couple of days ago, saying that he thinks he's mentally suspect. Uh, so it could be an awkward one if Phil <laughs> Brock is presenting the trophy to Jamie on Sunday, which at this stage just looks every chance of happening. So, yeah, plenty of commemorations. The captain, Roger Penske, a $2 billion businessman from the States who has his team here with Dick Johnson Racing. Uh, he's arriving this morning. We'll be, well, there's a chopper now. That might be him. So he's being choppered in shortly. And we'll have his first look at Mount Panorama, the great uh, Roger Penske. Mate, this is going to be fantastic. Beautifully done, bringing us up to speed. We'll be watching you all weekend. So have a great time. Chris Stubbs up at Bathurst. Thanks, mate. Pleasure, mate. Always. We are compiling a nice little list of life's simple joys. And this came from this morning where I arrived at work and it's very, very rare. So just indulge me this, completely nailed the parallel park as I pulled up to work. And it was a little fist pump to myself. And that is one of life's simple joys. Jules off the Twitter at Seb Costello 9 says, one of life's simple joys is getting every green light on the trip home from work. I like that one. We've got this from James. Oh, Full absolute exclamation mark on this one. One of life's simple joys is having a beer in the shower. It really is. You've got to keep the water out of the stubby, but at the same time, it is relaxation exemplified. And JD, who is a dear friend of ours, he's also a big Tiger man, says one of life's simple joys is when footy is over and I don't have to sit through any more Richmond games. Mate, they'll be back. The Tigers will be back. Keep those coming at Seb Costello 9. Life's simple joys. Ready. About a right for Nada. The biggest high five act you've ever seen in your life. Hey. Come on, mate. Follow me. Follow me to the bench. Fire. This is Brian Taylor. Looks like I'm the only one to win a Coleman and be in a film. And this is Bristles Missile. Take your flags and stick them you know where. <laughs> He's been the man on Triple M for years and years, and he's our man here on the weekend breakfast. Morning, BT. Uh, good morning to you, Seb. Now, mate, we've had a chance to sit back and digest the scenes after the grand final. We know now that uh, Bob Murphy actually gave the Premiership medal back to Luke Beveridge after he presented it to him on the dais, and that medal is now going to form part of the Western Bulldogs Museum. What do you make of that situation? Look, it was a big story, wasn't it? And and rightly so. You know, Premiership Day is no bigger sta- uh, no bigger uh, stage to to do that sort of thing on. I was a bit surprised when it happened. Then when it was happening, I thought, yeah, that's fair enough. Um, even though there are other players that perhaps deserve the right to also be there, and Jong and had played a considerable part in the in the season of the Western Bulldogs. But look, the fact that he's uh, he's kindly donated it back and it's going to go in the new museum as. Is, is absolutely fantastic. Well, let's cut to the chase. I'll play devil's advocate a bit. Do you think he made it a bit too much about him? Um, 
Look, I think when you win a premiership, it really is about the 22 that performed on the day and the coach. And that's the way it should be. Um, and, uh, you know, that it, it, it's a hard thing to say because Rob Murphy played a part on the day as well. He was on the official team sheet, by the way, for the last couple of games of the year, which I'm, I'm not sure he was for the whole entire year. But uh, uh, let's say it was uh, interesting, Seb. Mate, a couple of things happened overnight in the footy world. Boomer Harvey will never play an AFL game again. Did you yep. expect that? Yes, I did. I thought there was absolutely no chance. You know, just I think it was him hoping more than anyone wanting. And he's going to finish up, I think, at West Heidelberg or North Heidelberg or one of those clubs in the NFL uh, out there. So th- that's great news for him. But no, look, I just thought there was no hope. I know he was playing reasonable footy at the end and he's a good player, but his age, uh, you know, was going to stop him at some stage. And, uh, you know, they, they say part of the art of um, player list management is getting rid of players before they um, start the downward spiral. So it's probably uh, probably a good thing. It was never going to happen. I'd still be super surprised if Del Sano finds a spot. And um, I'm hearing the talk about Petrie of the West Coast Eagles. I can understand that with Nat Nui down for a year. That makes a little bit of sense. Now, Brian, I can hear that you're in a car. I'm led to believe you're on your way to the airport. What does the uh, post-season trip hold? Is it the uh, uh, French Riviera? Uh, maybe uh, <laughs> Mauritius? No, it's none of those, strangely <laughs> enough. Uh, Seb, it'll just be a little uh, quick trip to Bali. Ooh. Uh, cheap and nasty, and uh, <laughs> we'll be staying in some uh, hole over there, and uh, it'll be uh, just a, a week or two, so we'll head off, see what happens. All right, Brian, be very careful uh, when you strip down to your budgie smugglers in those countries just north of yeah. Australia. You're, uh, you've got a bit of a political view. What did you think of the budgie smuggler episode? Oh, mate, look, I see it two ways. Firstly, those blokes would never do it at the Australian Grand Prix because they probably have some nice little corporate entertaining suites. So they've gone yep. over to Malaysia and they reckon let's, you know, strip down to our budgie smugglers. But at the same time, if a group had done that at Phillip Island, you would have panned them on the coverage and everyone would say, what a bunch of legends. So let's just relax. And yeah, four days yeah. in a Malaysian jail is yeah. over the top. Yeah, it is weird over there, isn't it? They, they set such high standards over there for such a low standard, company, a low standard country. Yep. Bizarre. But, uh, yeah, I've, I've, I'm you staggered. Ever, you ever been to Manila? Manila, yeah. the Philippines? No, I haven't. Oh, gee, yeah. Anyway. What happened there? It's not a great place. But, uh, <laughs> you just wonder how any law gets invoked at all. It's chaos. <laughs> it's chaos. What were you doing in Manila? Oh, over there for a little uh, thing uh, just recently. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I won't ask Took any more. Two or three hours to get, I think it was four kilometres from the airport to our city hotel. I think it took three hours, and that was with a police escort. <laughs> Hang on. How did you get a police escort? Said we just gave them a little bit of the uh, the paper stuff, and they went, uh, sir, we can look after you, and away you go. And two motorbike riders in front, and they go, and they blaze their lights. And, and guess what? No one even takes any notice of them. <laughs> it speaks all languages. That's fantastic. Have a great break, mate. We'll talk to you soon. Go on, you said. That's a completely different situation in Florida in the US where Hurricane Matthew has caused some pretty remarkable scenes and some pretty remarkable moments in television.
It's a serious situation. There are warnings in place for 1.5 million Americans across Florida's Atlantic coast, and that warning is get out because it's unsafe. It follows this hurricane which has come through Haiti and left over 270 people dead in Haiti. So it's a really nasty, dangerous situation. Have a listen to this. The winds going through Florida have been clocked at 180 kilometres per hour winds. That's ridiculous. And as I said before, it's thrown up some pretty amazing moments of television. I do want to bring you some of this. This comes from Jacksonville in Florida. It's a guy called Tom Wills who's been reading the news there for over 40 years. And as they were reporting on the storm in the studio, he made this really frank and emotional warning to his own colleagues. I want to talk to you people for just a minute. Not not as Tom the newsman. We've... (laughs) We've been together for 40 years, you and I. It's time to take precautions. It's time to protect yourself. Um, This is not gonna be like anything that we've ever seen before. Think of Katrina, think of what Hugo did, think of Baton Rouge. We're, we're, We're in for a terrible, terrible experience. Yeah, it's pretty full on. And then over on Fox News, they've got a uh, weathercaster called Shep Smith. And he was really, really frank about the risk associated with Hurricane Matthew as it moves through the Florida Atlantic coast. See this? Melbourne, Daytona Beach, all the way up to Jacksonville. This moves 20 miles to the west and you and everyone you know are dead. All of you. Because you can't survive it. It's not possible unless you're very, very lucky. And your kids die too. Shep Smith there from Fox Sports. So, yeah, pretty full-on warning from the weatherman there in Florida. So we'll keep an eye on that. Hurricane Matthew is the storm. It's been linked to two deaths in America so far. One of those a cardiac arrest. A very good morning to those who set us straight with the news of the week. Good morning from Channel 10 to Chanel Vella. Good morning. And good morning from Channel 9 to Jade Vincent. Good morning. What's caught your eye this week? Well, because we always discuss, you know, the most exciting foreign topics and politics (laughs) in the newsroom. The important world stories. That's right. Mm. There was a story that you and I were discussing yesterday in the newsroom. uh, Discussing, not disgusting, sorry. Uh, It's kind of of disgusting. Um, There is Britain's youngest lotto winner, Jane Park. Now, she set this amazing set of rules for her poor boyfriend who's (laughs) heading off on the trip of a lifetime, a six-day trip to Ibiza. Mm. Now, I think my favourite rule here is do not make eye contact with any other woman. She's full on, isn't she? Oh, yes. So she's made a lot of money uh, off Lotto. The boyfriend is called Connor, and as he goes on the man trip, she's released a whole lot of rules that he's since posted online. And you mentioned one of them. (laughs) She doesn't leave a lot of wiggle room for Connor. When he's away on his boy's trip, the rule is, one, no speaking to girls. Two, no photos with girls. And as you say, five, try to avoid eye contact. Is that normal, Chanel? I think Nicholas does all of these things. <laughs> Nicholas being your wonderful partner? My wonderful partner. I do love number 10, though. Yes. You're no wingman for your pals. They're ugly enough to pull themselves. <laughs> I don't even know where to take that. But I feel like... We're still I've, on the air. I've, I've been to Ibiza. And I think... You've been to Ibiza? I've been to Ibiza. Really? Yes. This is a place I've only heard of in Venga Boy songs. (laughs) Well, look, if your boyfriend is going to Ibiza, you just, you need to. Do you think she's got problems already? 
He needs rules to be broken. He yeah, needs to okay. go to Dalesford if there's a <laughs> the place. These are not yes. Ibiza rules. Okay. Well, what would you do that, have you got better ideas for Ibiza then? Oh, let him go. Just, just let him go <laughs> just, and don't ask questions. Don't when ask he questions. Returns. That's right. Yeah. Rules are meant to be broken. If I say to Pete, don't eat Pete the leftovers. Pete being your beautiful Pete, husband. Pete being my beautiful husband. <laughs> don't eat the leftover spaghetti bolognese in the fridge. Chances are the bowl will be empty on the bench with a note saying delicious. <laughs> but Thank that's you. because we didn't, we, we're too lazy to actually check fridges for leftovers. <laughs> so you pointing out that it's in the fridge means that it's there and we can eat it. That's how it works. Well, last weekend, Nicholas. Yes. I woke up. At 5 a.m., no Nicholas in the house. Five. Five. That's um, Substantial. getting up early for a run maybe. Perhaps. Sent the text, yeah. are you alive? Fair That's point. my main concern. Because he loves his sport, it. Nicholas, doesn't he? He does love yep. his sport. Grand final weekend and all. Correct. And I just, are you okay? And then got a photo back of him and the package. He was at the Bulldogs Sorry? after party. He was at the Bulldogs Oh, Jake Stringer. Party. Yeah. <laughs> Not his package. Not his package. Right. Sorry. No, I just thought there's a very modern relationship with all sorts of rules over there. Um, well, one triple three five three. feel free to give us a call or hit us up on Twitter if you have any unusual rules for your relationship. Do you think – I would like to know, Jade, how Jane Park, the lotto millionaire, was planning on enforcing her set of rules to her boyfriend, Connor. Well, I mean, they were pretty strict. She sort of warned him that he – he was going to be drug tested <laughs> upon his return, keep his Wi-Fi on. She was going to be, I think by the sounds of it, accessing his phone, checking for any new numbers, any Too new much. social media requests. So she was right on to him FBI style. So would you let your husband go on a boy's trip to Ibiza? How do you pronounce it? I- Ibiza? Ibiza. Uh, Ibiza. I think, yeah, I would. <laughs> Yeah, Pete, you are very interested. <laughs> yeah, I love Mate. how this is big. This segment has just turned into like, hey, now we're setting rules. Yeah, that's it. exactly. No, Pete, don't eat the spaghetti bolognese, and you can go to Ibiza. <laughs> and you, but you can go to Ibiza. <laughs> don't don't look at any girls in the eye, though. <laughs> that's it. Exactly. No eye contact. Now, Jade, last week we talked about how you were going to report on the grand final on the Saturday. Yes, I and did. And we had people suggesting the things you should do as part of that report. And Wendy, who's a good friend of mine on Twitter, suggested that you should get a tattoo to commemorate the day. What yeah. tattoo did you get? Thanks, Wendy, for that. Uh, <laughs> and where? Um, what was it? I don't want to break it to you. Skull and crossbones? Did you pop I, into a tattoo shop? Tramp stamp? There's one just down the road. I'm a wuss. I'm a wuss. <laughs> I'm still a clean skin. Yeah. I can't. I couldn't go through with the tattoo as much as I was completely 100% <laughs> on board the Bulldogs bandwagon. Weak. It's just weak. Oh. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. It's kind of awkward because me the... and Chanel went out and yeah. you know, I'm just going to pull back the sleeve now. That's and right. Yeah. And so you didn't do it? I'm sorry. It was still a great day though. All the Bulldogs fans <laughs> were so nice to me. Uh, yeah, I'm really sorry. I didn't go through with that. No, that's you, all right. But, um, I understand that you do not not put bumper stickers on a Maserati. Oh. That's how I feel about tattoos. <laughs> You've just quoted Kim Kardashian, but we won't go into that. <laughs> that is totally fine. Speaking of Kim Kardashian, you told me uh, an expression that I don't think I've ever heard before that you heard a young woman use at the supermarket. No, it was at a very trendy kind of health food store in oh. Hawthorne yeah. um, the other day. And have you heard the expression that the young ones are using at the moment called squad goals? Right. So that's if you see a group like um, you you know, the Western Bulldogs be- players, they all love each other. You want to be in a group of friends that all love each other. It's your squad goals. Your squad goals. Uh. Yeah. Or it's, you know, a girl with an amazing physique and you'll be like body goals. Or right. our team right now in here. Radio goals. Radio, Radio obviously. Goals. Mm. Yes. Radio goals. Anyway, I heard this girl absolutely destroy the English language yes. when she said... <laughs> 
So, like Sarah, <laughs> I mean, she's actual goals. Actual goals. Actual goals. So does that mean this girl wants to be an actual? I'm not sure, but I really want to meet Sarah. Is yeah. so. actual goals higher than goals? I think it's higher than goals. Oh, okay. so it's a, it, there's a sort of a ladder here. But as a journalist, your your heart breaks a little bit Do inside not. when you hear someone <laughs> say actual goals. Actual goals. Do not use that on the news. Well, there you go. If you've ever used actual goals, hang your head in shame. Absolutely. Hey, I know you want to have a rant today. You yeah. Told me well, I do. This. I do. But I'll, you know what? I'm going to save it up for next week. Oh, okay. yeah. I'm going to save it up, we'll and then next it. week I'm just going to go whack. Okay. And in the meantime, I'm going to talk to you about your tattoo goals. Oh, tattoo. Goals. goals. Yeah. Actual goals. Actual big sleeve. Goals. Do you reckon she look good with a big sleeve, Jade? Uh, Absolutely. Yeah. A whole leg even. <laughs> Just a Is it still leg. a sleeve on your leg? Well, no. I don't know. It's a pant. So would a whole bulldog fit on the leg? Yeah, <laughs> we'll make it work. <laughs> Thanks, Wendy. Coming yeah, up the summer. Two to nine, Chanel Vella from Channel 10. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Have a good weekend, Jade Vincent, Channel 9. Thank you. And See everyone you. have a wonderful weekend. Get on the Twitter at Seb Costello 9 to have a look at Campbell Brown, our man on the front of the Times of India over there playing an indigenous Indian sport called Kabadi. Triple M trainees, wise up. Ditch the paperwork and run your business on bridge. Triple M's Weekend Breakfast with Seb Costello.